0: This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast.
1: Today is Wednesday, August 5th. I'm Stan Friedman, and this is Franchise Today. This week, I greet an old friend as my guest. I also join many in the worlds of politics, broadcasting, restaurants, and franchising as we collectively mourn the loss of Herman Cain, who lost a brief but devastating battle with COVID-19. Herman Cain was a one-time presidential candidate and long-time business advocate and franchise leader said IFA president and CEO Robert Crusante Herman Kane was a friend of the small business owner a frequent speaker at IFA events and a longtime restaurateur his insights and anecdotes inspired and improved the franchise sector his larger than life presence will be sorely missed and IFA extends its deepest sympathies to his family and many friends while well, those sentiments are echoed by yours truly here on franchise today it's yet another reminder of just how real and powerful this coronavirus can be herman kane was 74
0: Franchise Today will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors.
1: Hey, Stan Friedman here with a word about Transitive, an amazing marketing platform that actually delivers what others can only imagine. Accurate, dependable results that are second to none. All right, without getting too deep into the weeds, Transitive connects franchisees' customer data from all sources, providing high-octane fuel for their marketing engines. They then deploy machine learning, Yes, artificial intelligence which identifies various customer traits and habits, attributes that would otherwise likely go unnoticed, and it segments these customers into groups. This is important because as we know, not all customers provide your franchisees with equal dollar value. But wouldn't it be great if they could easily identify who's who? Well, that's exactly what Transitive does. And what's more, it then accurately drives the appropriate offers to each of those customer groups, delivering specific personalized messages to each of the group's customers. Just like that, your franchisees are engaged in laser-focused target marketing, delivering them much more bang for the buck. You've got to see it to believe it. So what are you waiting for? Order up a demo today and tell them I sent you. Find them online at www.transitive.io. That's www.transitive, io Well, as I said at the top, This week's guest and I are old friends too. Brian Sanders is the chairman and CEO of I-9 Sports, the nation's largest multi-sport provider focused solely on high-quality community-based youth sport programs. I-9 offers youth sport leagues, camps, and clinics for boys and girls ages 3 and up in some of today's most popular sports. These include flag football, soccer, basketball, baseball, volleyball, and zip lacrosse their mission is to help kids succeed in life through sports i9 sports provides a youth sports experience unlike any other teaching the importance of good sportsmanship on the field and in life their commitment is to provide age-appropriate instruction make sports fun for kids and convenient for today's busy families brian sanders welcome to franchise today
2: Thank you, Stan. Um, Pleasure to be here.
1: This is a long time overdue, Brian. We've talked about it, and we've kind of flirted with the idea of getting you on. And then just as always, life gets in the way and we kind of push it down the road. But here we are. We finally got it done.
2: Well, the stars have aligned, and you've been more than generous and patient with me. And um, you know, as you know, in in dealing with uh, any business, it's always a juggling act. But um, I'm honored to be here. So thank you.
1: Well, I'm honored to have you. And before I do what I always do, which is ask my guests to take a journey back to where franchising found them and share that with our audience, we've got to disclose here, don't we, that we've got about a 10-year or so history together, isn't that? right?
2: Yes, we do. Yes, we do. You were um, a big part of our journey. And um, so, yeah, we do go back a ways 10 years.
1: I remember coming down and I was doing some independent consulting then. And the assignment that Frank and you had in mind for me was to help you establish a sales process and then to automate it. You'd purchased what was then called Process Peak. Mm -hmm. Now, 10 years later, who knew that the CRM business would become my business? (laughs) (laughs) you almost lured me to come work for you guys. I loved the brand and I, I really loved everything about it, except I didn't want to live in Florida. And I think that was the deal breaker for us. But 10 years later, look where we are. Both of us are sitting on top of our respective worlds, and we're going to talk all about that today. But we're going to start with the way we always ask our guests to do, take us back to how you and franchising intersected.
2: Stan, I love the way you you pose this to your guests in terms of how franchising found them, because that's exactly what happened in my So a little backdrop um, or backstory on me. So I started my career in consumer products, brand marketing straight out of college and worked my way up the ladder in corporate America for about 22 years until I reached the point where I realized I was feeling incredibly unfulfilled by what I was doing by all measures of success. I mean, I I had become a C-suite executive in a billion dollar company and yet driving to work in the morning, I just had no emotional connection to the end product being delivered. And I'm one that can draw satisfaction from a lot of different things, but it was not scratching an itch. And I did that rocking chair test where you say, okay, let's fast forward to my retirement, how I'm going to feel if I'm sitting on my front porch, my rocking chair. And I look back on my career and think, did I do what I felt going to give me fulfillment? Did I take the best of my opportunity? And and I had to say no at that point. So in 2004. I stepped out of corporate America in search of something that would provide what I'll call the intersection of purpose and passion for me and began doing consulting work to buy some time to figure things out. And fairly early on um, in 2005, I was introduced to Frank Fumi, who is the founder of i9 Sports. And Frank was seeking consulting help with his young franchising concept of recreational youth sports. Frank, at that point, he had opened his first franchise in 2003. And so this 2005. So at that point, he had about 26 units open and operating. And as Frank tells the story, he was on the verge of going under, literally going out of business for, I think, boiling it all down. There are two core reasons. First, even though he had a brilliant concept of making a business out of recreational youth sports, the formula for success wasn't granular enough. And as a result, the franchisees that he had were all over the place in terms of their operations. And the second issue was that the value proposition to the customer Customer wasn't clear. So Frank had essentially drained his savings and was needing a successful Hail Mary pass just in order to stay in business. So after being connected with Frank, I signed on as a consultant. And that was my first introduction to franchising. So I had immense amount of business experience, but had zero franchising experience. And I quickly fell in love with franchising and more specifically with the business of I-9 Sports because of what it does for the kids in the community, but also for the franchise owners. So what I loved about this franchising thing was it is multidimensional. It works at a lot of different levels. And so fast forward a few years, and and fortunately, the recommendations that I had made to create what we now call the I-9 Sports Experience helped the business really take off. And in 2008, Frank invited me to join the business full-time. As president and COO, which I thought about for about two nanoseconds, and fast forward again to 2015, Frank at that point had decided to step back from the business in order to spend more time with his family, and I became CEO at that point. And here I am in my 12th year, at, you know, with Finance Sports. So you chair uh, the board as well, right? I I am chairman of the board as well. So truly franchising found me. This was not something I ever anticipated.
1: So before we talk about the current state of affairs, which we're going to get into as part of this conversation, let's just talk about the power of the brand and the equation of kids plus sports equals wow.
2: Yeah, we we happen to occupy a very interesting space because um, most everybody thinks they know youth sports. I mean, you know parks and recreation, you know YMCA, you know club team travel sports, that kind of thing. But the idea of doing this as a business is quite foreign to people. So I, I think the best way to start this part of the discussion is to think it through from the problem. What problem were we solving? So Frank did so many things right as a founder, because when he started, he he went to talk to people, the customers basically to say, what is missing here? And the problem with recreational youth sports today is that they are hyper-political. There is so much competition that it sucked the fun out of it for kids. And these are games, right? These are supposed to be for kids, and yet they become adultified, basically. Adults, whether they be parents who are living vicariously through their kids or parents who are volunteer coaches who are wanting to make it more about their win-loss record than making it about the kids have, again, taken hold of things. And we are driving kids to specialize in a certain sport and even worse in a specific position in a sport at such an early age that there's no joy in it whatsoever. And study after study has been done among kids and families that show that the number one reason kids play sports is to have fun. So Frank's idea was to flip the model back around and say, let's reclaim these sports for kids. Let's make it about giving them good age-appropriate instruction, but also make it convenient for the parents. Because what we were finding and hearing from moms and dads was that most families now are dual income. They don't have time to go to four or five practices during the week and travel all over the, you know, Timbuktu on the weekend. So one of the novel concepts was to make it highly convenient by having practices on the same day as the game. So once a week commitment, you basically are at the field for two hours, essentially an hour for practice, an hour for the game. Everybody comes out, has a great time as a family, they go home and they are done. So it doesn't monopolize the family's schedule like so many other um, programs do. So you have a, a huge convenient aspect. And another novel invention was we created a parental pledge because we one of the one of the complaints that most parents have about youth sports is the culture and the, the craziness that goes on at the fields between parents and coaches and what have you. And we learned early on that if we were going to control what happens on the field and the field and culture there, we had to control what happened on the sidelines. So we created a, a national parental pledge that every parent has to sign as they register their child. And it basically says, I acknowledge that the number one reason my child is here is to have fun and I'm going to let the ref be the ref, the coach be the coach, and I'm going to exhibit the same type of good sportsmanship-like behavior on the sidelines as I would expect of the players on the field. And that made a miraculous difference in the feel and how things um, operate in our programs. And so we really have been part of re-engineering youth sports from the bottom up. And so to get back to the essence of your question, what we really came to realize was that it's really not about the sport, it's about the entire experience that we're able to provide people. So it is very much a customer experience. And in our world, the bar is incredibly low. So we were able to create this platform and be able to help franchisees deliver in their communities this youth sports experience that is head and shoulders above anything else that's available out there. And it's worked wonderfully.
1: So the elevator speech on all of that might sound like this. The problem with youth sports is parents and the Best way to fix that problem is to give parents what they want and need. A commitment of one time a week, same time every week, gets you regularity in your life. And all I ask for it in exchange is you sign this little form that says you're going to behave properly or your child's not going to have a good time.
2: (laughs) That's pretty good, Stan. You got it.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, it seems pretty simple, but in reality it's brilliant.
2: Well, it really gets back to any good business really is focused on what the customer needs. And so If you keep your ear to the ground there and couple it in our world and franchising with a very specific formula for success that eliminates as much of the the friction in the way that that product or service is being delivered, you have a winning formula and that's what we've tried to do.
1: So then I would think that the next problem in growing this brand, those who thought this was a great franchise, I want to own one, were usually the people that were either the coaches or parents (laughs) that were watching (laughs) the, the game and that's not exactly who you're looking for for franchises in a business like this, is it?
2: No, it isn't. Um, we lovingly refer to that type of a profile as sports guy. It's the person that is the armchair quarterback that thinks they know it all and and lives by stats and winning is everything and that kind of thing. And we learned that that is not a great fit for, for our franchise system. In fact, oftentimes it is better that someone doesn't have heavy sports experience. And so what we found is that we are looking for people that are outgoing people, people. They need to be customer obsessed, really getting back to the idea that we are a service-based experiential brand, detail-oriented, self-motivated, and will follow a formula. Those are the things that, that are the, the key success traits. Our typical age range is between 28 and 45, I think. It's, a, it's an easy business to step into. So, I mean, if you really get down to brass tacks, unlike other franchise concepts where it really... Really might require if you're in, in a restaurant franchise system, you, you probably ought to have some restaurant experience. We don't need that industry um, experience background, therefore, we're able to draw off of a lot of different types of backgrounds.
1: And, Brian, how many franchisees serving how many different territories nationwide?
2: 165 territories. And the one thing I'd want to point out is that we have generous-sized territories. They're comprised of contiguous zip codes. And so in our world, the, the game is to build out as many playing locations, we call them venues, in that territory as the kid population will support. So if you add up all the communities where we have playing locations, we're now up to around 950 locations across the country from Hawaii to as far east as Massachusetts.
1: And how many kids is that that you serve through those territories and those franchisees?
2: We have now served over two and a half million kids.
1: Wow, that's amazing. Team sports are a dress rehearsal for life. In fact, there's no better tool to teach kids the skills necessary to succeed in life than sports. That comes off of the I-9 sports website, and we're talking with their chairman, and CEO, Brian Sanders, and we'll be back talking more about what's going on in the world of COVID-19 and how it's impacted their business, but we're gonna take a quick break first.
0: Franchise Today, will be right back. But first, a word from our sponsors.
1: This portion of Franchise Today is brought to you by Zoracle, providers of spot-on profiles, the gold standard of assessment tools that assure you're selecting the right franchisees every time. Unlike DISC or others that simply gauge personality or communication styles, Zorical's spot-on assessments are all franchise-specific and based upon seven sciences that nail the results each and every time. Your prospects simply answer a few questions online, and like magic, Zorical's algorithms scientifically slice, dice, and analyze their thresholds for risk their business acumen, and even their propensity for single or multi-unit ownership. Zorical's spot-on analysis is like having a crystal ball, but there's no hoodoo here. It's all based upon science that flawlessly determines franchisee, franchisor compatibility, and accurately predicts performance. Why don't you schedule a demo today and take a complimentary look and see for yourself it's the closest thing to a sure thing. Zorical, spot on assessments based on science, but delivering results that seem simply magical. Check them out at www.zoricalprofiles.com. We are back with Brian Sanders, chairman and CEO of... 9 Sports, we've had a great first half discussion about a business that's just the best in the world. It deals with kids, it deals with sports, and it helps to correct the behavior of parents in the process of helping to make their kids build better character by learning life lessons through sports. So we talked all of that, Brian. We've got to talk now about the impact that COVID-19 has had on contact sports with kids. It has to be extreme.
2: Yeah, most all businesses have been impacted. And I think the thing that- that was so surprising to us, and I'm sure it was to everybody else, was just how fast it came on. And it seemed to, to go from this thing that that was hitting the news around us to all of a sudden, we were in essentially lockdown as communities were shuttering everything. And in, in our world, one of the, the benefits of, of our franchise model is our franchisees don't have to own real estate. So we are playing our programs at fields that are either part of a school system, could be elementary, middle school, high schools, could be colleges, could be parks and recreation fields, et cetera. But one of the, the concerns was that this was a hyper-localized kind of a, of an endeavor where the, our national system decided not to lay down clear guidelines across the board. It was, okay, we're going to let each state and in many cases, each community develop their own guidelines. And so internally in our home office, we knew we needed to get ahead of it very quickly because our franchisees. Were, were really worried about their ability to navigate through the fact that we were at the time this hit in March, we were getting ready to open our spring season, and in our model, the revenue is taken in ahead of the actual games being played. So. Our franchisees were facing, will we be able to play spring season at all? And what do we do with the registrations we've already taken in? So we developed a two-pronged solution to it. One was to create a safety protocol, which we call return to play safely protocol. And it basically said, look, when and wherever you are allowed to return to play, these are the things that we are going to guarantee the customer that they will see when they get to our fields, because we need to remove the fear that they have about being around other people. So obvious things like social distancing on the sidelines, but we took it a step further and said, look, we need to limit the attendance to those people that are directly um, connected to the kids. So we asked maybe one adult per child, as opposed to having an entire family come out, disinfection of the equipment and and other things. So first prong was was safety and making sure that we were putting safety first. The second was, again, knowing this was hyper-localized and knowing that there were limitations in many places as to how many people could even be allowed to be on the field or on the sidelines at a time. We came up with a cascading menu, if you will, of back-to-play programming options that we could give our franchisees. So in our world, it was, look, we don't know for sure what you can run, but we're going to give you options so you can pull it down off the shelf and you can decide at your local level what fits for your circumstances. But whatever you do, do it safely. So if they could do full-on team games, league play, great. If you couldn't, then you could do short-sighted games, which in soccer, for instance, would be three versus three instead of full teams playing one another. If your local area won't let you play any team-on-team kinds of things and drop back and do a sport specific instructional program where kids come out to the field and they would rotate through various areas where they could do stations and drills specific to that sport. And then we introduced a brand new format, which was just an athlete development program, which focused on individual physical Physical development basically and so everybody had something they could run and that allowed us to navigate through spring into summer and now we're looking at fall and things are, are looking better there's still a lot of question marks in terms of whether school are going to be in or out and you know whether we can use their fields or not but fortunately there are a lot of other places that we can play and so we are still operating and, and making this work but we found with our system that communicate Proactively, frequently, giving them options was the best way to handle this.
1: And unlike the restaurant business, you guys don't pay rent. So while you're struggling and suffering from a lack of revenue, the good news is you don't have checks to be writing for and costs associated That's exactly with the right.
2: Exactly right. Exactly right. We don't have that crushing overhead. And a lot of the staff used by our franchise owners are part time staff people that are brought in when we're playing. So while we we do have some full-time staff members. That's more the exception than the rule. And so there were a lot of things about the economics of our model that made the impact to us a lot less damaging than it might be to a brick and mortar or an organization that's got a lot more fixed costs involved.
1: And I'm going to guess, too, that rather than return revenue back to those who had prepaid for a season that just couldn't happen, you probably did more like what the hotels have done with conferences that have been booked to just push dates. forward forward instead of returning money isn't that right
2: we did we reached out to our customers and found that again customers were very understanding and and we said look this this was beyond our control we are anxious to get back to play but we want to do it safely so what we're going to do is extend to you a future season credit full credit so we'll get you back uh, to play with us when it's safe to return to play. So we were able to hold um, the vast majority of those registrations in place, and they are now coming back to us in the summer as well as fall. And so that that worked well for us.
1: So you talked a little bit about the age range of your franchisees and some of the differences between what they need to bring with them when they come versus what you provide. Why don't you take a few minutes in the time we've got left to talk a little bit more about the profile of an i9 sports franchisee? Because from what i I've heard do in their right mind wouldn't want to be involved in this.
2: Yeah, I mean, I love the way you put that because I agree, that's how I look at it. It's kind of an obvious thing, Stan, to say we're looking for people that share the same passion for working with kids, helping the community that we do but there are some other elements that go into it that help them be successful and what we found in our world is that you really have to be committed to doing this full-time all out, 150%. There's some franchise concepts where people can come in and they'll say, okay, I'll do this as a side job or side hustle. That has not worked well in our world. And what we do isn't rocket science, but there are a lot of details involved. And because of the customer experience aspect of this, You have to be fully involved, at least in the first years of the business, to understand it inside and out. And then you can bring in people under you to run it under your guidance. But the remote ownership management model has not worked well in our world. So aside from sharing that passion and understanding that it's a really customer-oriented type of a service business, it's, it's again, finding those people that are willing to follow the formula, that, that are as excited as we are about having the tools and will help us continually find ways of removing that friction that I was talking about.
1: And where Bill Belichick is maybe the exception to the rule where a GM and a coach can be the same person, you really need that front office person with a business mentality, not the guy who wants to be the coach of the team, right?
2: That's exactly right. Yeah, being a coach, if you want to be a coach, volunteer. Got plenty of franchisees across the country who love to have help as volunteer coaches, but this is about running a business. And so one of the first things I share with, candidates and then again in training is that the goal for any of those people coming in is to be the CEO of their own business. They are making this move because they want to have that financial independence and they want to create value for themselves and their families. So this is the vehicle through which to do that. And so what we're looking for is alignment in the healthy self-interest that they have in terms of wanting better for themselves, but also helping us achieve our goals as a brand in the process.
1: And while full-time is the requirement, what about the scale? Are operators able to buy a single territory or multiple and become empire builders? What does that look like?
2: We've changed our approach on that a couple of times. When we started out, we allowed multiple purchases right out of the gate and found that because of the size of the territories we were warding, that they weren't getting to developing that second territory as quickly as we needed to. So we pulled back and said we would only do singles. What we've now gone to is is a hybrid approach, Where we do allow people to buy additional territories, but they need to be close by and they need to really have someone who is, in a sense, a general manager who has a stake in the business so that they're going to have skin in the game. So we do have now a number of multi-unit franchise owners.
1: I have one last question before I ask you a trick question. How do you feel about brokers? Do you work through the brokerage community or are you only awarding franchises directly?
2: We are only awarding franchises directly. We've tried working with brokers and unfortunately, it just hasn't worked for us. I'm always open to different things that, that might give us a better result. But for whatever reason, I think our concept is just unique enough that it doesn't fit their bullseye. And being a lower cost franchise system, the broker fee really takes a huge cut out of what we would be selling a franchise for. So it just hasn't worked very well for us.
1: Okay. So here's the trick question, which the audience knows is not a trick question at all, but it is for my guests because they're not ready for it. When I ask, is there anything that I didn't and ask you today, Brian, that you wished I did.
2: I think you know, knowing the audience, the question that might be a good one would be, what would I give in the way of advice to franchisors who are on the way up the curve? And I will tell you a couple things that helped us make a quantum leap in our growth. And one of those was helping our franchise owners think more broadly. When we started, I talked about owning and operating multiple venues. When we started, most of our owner operators operators were getting up to two venue locations because that was as far as they could go and manage themselves. Once we started seeding the point that they are to be the CEO and not the operator of the business, they started bringing in staff, again, many of whom were part-time, but all of a sudden the business just took off because instead of having two playing locations, now they were going up to four, five, nine locations in a given season and the business exploded. So that was one thing one way of uh, one piece of advice and the other is measure everything because franchisees are competitive by their very nature and so the more you can let them see how their results are stacking up with other others in the system and how those tie to whatever your formula for success is the more they're going to be um, incentivized to excel and really go after it so we created a scorecard and that really drove a lot of positive growth and behavior
1: Brian for those who want to contact you how best to do so. My
2: email address, I do answer all my emails: Brian, B-R-I-A-N. Dot. Sanders at the letter I, number 9, sports.com.
1: It's really been fun having you here, Brian. And my takeaway out of this is, is although kids don't need to be worried so much about the competitive nature of sports and keeping the fun of the game in for the kids on the business side, the scorecard is more than appropriate and you are keeping score, and it doesn't make a big difference at the end of the day for your franchisees. That is
2: all correct. Our mission is to help kids succeed in life through sports. And that is the the glue that holds everyone to this brand. And it's something that we we really all believe in heart and soul and that it's a great business to be part of. It really is.
1: Well, it's been fun talking about it, Brian. I've been happy to have you here with us today. It's like I said at the beginning, long overdue, but glad we finally got it done. Stan, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Well, my interview with Brian got me to thinking about how many really good people I met and worked with during my short stint with I-9 Sports some 10 years ago. Some of them, like Susan Ravel and Kim Armolino, are still there. But shout-outs, too, to some other franchise faves that have moved on, but are still connected to our franchise world, like Daniel O'Neill, Brandy Zikafoos, Scott Morganroth, and Kevin Brandt. Good times, great people. I just can't believe that it's been that long. Now, I'll look ahead to next week when we'll be joined by a really interesting guy. When I talk with Bruce Melman. Bruce is a Washington lobbyist and leads the bipartisan firm of Melman, Castagnetti, Rosen and Thomas, which he founded after serving at senior-level positions in politics, policy and business. Bruce's firm helps Fortune 500 companies and innovative startups understand, anticipate and navigate the ever-evolving policy environment and trends likely to impact the global market place. His quarterly updates on political trends are widely read by business leaders and political observers across the country, and have been frequently covered in leading publications including The Washington Post, Axios, Politico, CNN, Fortune, and The Daily Caller. Bruce will be right here to offer his views on trends in politics, business, the economy, and insights into the landscape ahead, what with the coronavirus still wrecking havoc, civil unrest far from a settled issue, and a presidential election less than three months away. You don't want to miss this one, so subscribe now and catch them all. Until next week, I'm Stan Friedman, wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising, and Franchise Today is out.